Christians are supposed to be Christ-like, just as the name implied from when it was originally used in the first century, right up to our own postmodern world today. It's as simple as WWJD, right? Wrong. Join our show host, teacher, servant leader, and fellow traveler, Steve Russell, as we journey together in learning how lives daily renewed by God's grace and power can embrace Christian living that counts and makes a difference in a broken world. Hey, this is Steve Russell. Welcome to Christian Living That Counts. Our show is for people living renewed lives and making a difference in a broken world. Have a guest in the studio today, Reverend Jordan Bird, pastor of First Christian Church in Palestine, Texas. We're going to be talking about a unique concept for a podcast and radio program on the Internet, accessible worldwide, but uh, targeted to an audience primarily of people right here in Northeast Texas and those who are interested in a little deeper level Bible study. You know, in Christian Living That Counts, we certainly uh, value the Bible, and it is our standard in what we uh, live our lives by. And so a deeper walk in the Bible is always important to all of us. So I want to get right into this interview with Jordan. And um, Jordan, tell us a little bit about, first of all, the denomination and then your church in the area. And uh, But start out a little bit with the, the Churches of Christ Disciples. Well, thanks for having me, Steve. Uh, it's good to be here. Uh, you know, I was supposed to be here uh, last week, uh, and I, I was actually listening to your podcast last week about uh, you know, dealing with difficulty in our Christian walks, and unfortunately, uh, that's one of the things that we have to do uh, is is deal with uh, difficulty. And you know, even Jesus was crucified. Uh, you know, uh, so we all have those difficulties. And one of the things that uh, I do as a lot as a pastor is, uh, you know. Just like Christ entered into our difficulty, we enter into the difficulties of others. You know, we we bear with one another's burdens. So I had to deal with uh, uh, someone had a death in, in their family, and so I wasn't able to be here last week. So I'm glad uh, that you've uh, allowed me to to come back on here and, and deal with, We're glad with my schedule there. Um, so thanks for having me. Um, yeah, uh, I am the pastor of the First Christian Church in Palestine, Texas, and um, that is. Uh, the Christian Church Disciples of Christ. So, you know, you'll see it, it'll say the Christian Church, and then in parentheses it will say um, Disciples of Christ. Um, and uh, the best way and the most simple way I can explain it to you to, to think about that is uh, it, it's a non-denominational denomination, if you can think about it that way, uh, because uh, it was founded in the 1830s during the Second Great Awakening by uh, a lot of people who were tired of denominationalism and they w- wanted to focus on Christian unity. Uh, and so some of the – if you're wondering, well, what do you all believe? Well, well that's really hard to say, first of all, uh, because we don't have a creed. Uh, we say we have no creed but Christ, uh, no book but the Bible, no name but Christian. Uh, and so, you, you know, you're not going to find some kind of confession, even though a lot of us are going to believe the same things that are in the creed, you know, that, that you'd read. But we don't say, you know, to come here, you have to believe this. Uh, so the one thing, though, that we, in, that, that we, that we have to believe, the minimum uh, standard for belief is that we believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God, and our personal Lord and Savior. And barring that, we leave it to each other and in conversation with one another to discover what that means for us. You know, uh, 
Philippians chapter 2 is probably one of my favorite chapters in all of the Bible. Uh, And that's where Paul gives this wonderful, wonderful text about what it means to be a Christian in light of who Jesus was. You know, and so he says, your attitude should be like that of Christ Jesus, who though he was in the very form of God, did not hold equality with God as something to be exploited, but rather he humbled himself, taking the form of a servant. He humbled himself to the point of death. So therefore, at the name of, therefore God highly exalted him. So at the name of God, or at the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. And right after that, in verses, in verses 12 and 13, uh, Paul says, um, therefore I encourage you to be unified. You know, that you should be of, of, of one mind. And, and he says, try to get along, basically, is what Paul was saying, because there's a lot of conflict. And he says, you know, we all have different gifts, and we all have different understandings, and we all have different perspective. Uh, but we all have to come together in, this Christ, in, in Christ uh, and, and work together, uh, because Christ did not come to divide. He came to unite. And, and so the early founders of our denomination rel- realized that. And it was in a time uh, when the denominations were very divided. Uh, if you remember at the advent of Protestantism, especially in Germany, there were wars waged. Uh, and, and, and this wasn't that far from that, you know, in, in the 1830s. Th- those wars had uh, – some of them were still kind of stewing and there were still some things uh, some things going on. And, and a lot of the Europeans in, in – uh, at the time were were just done because there was so much fighting in the name of Christianity. Uh, and there was a, a great wellspring of revival in, in the United States at that time. Uh, because, you know, after the, after the Revolutionary War, uh, where America gained its independence, uh, uh, church attendance had actually dropped to its lowest levels. It's never been that low in, in all of history than after the, than after the Revolutionary War. Uh, because people were uh, were like, hey, we don't have to go to church anymore to, to pay taxes. Uh, but then in the 1830s, there was just people were realizing that church was something they needed and something they ought to do. Uh, but there was a lot of fighting about who was right and who was wrong and what the right way to do things were. You know, we still have those arguments today. Right. So, so, so your denomination was founded in the United States. That's right. It wasn't an imported European religion. That's right. That's right. It's one of the it's one of the few that was. Um, uh, and, and, and the the adherents that formed it, they were from the Presbyterian. Some of them were Baptists, and they were all like, you know, let's just kind of get along and try to. Um, but that's very difficult um, yeah. because I guess even when you I guess even when you have no labels, you have to have a label to identify yourself as no labels. So it, it kind of gets to, to be a, a, a circular discussion. But at the same time, what you what any person coming to your church could expect, or any of your churches. Um, from the denomination would be openness. Um, I think that's what I'm gleaning from from a lot of. Yeah, what absolutely. Saying. And uh, the the way that that's going to be expressed across all disciples churches, because you could go into any disciples church, and it will be completely different from church to church. Because at our hearts, we're congregationalists, so we're congregationally controlled, and so every congregation is going to have its own way of worshiping and its own way of doing things, despite having that disciples of Christ name. Uh, you you could go into a church that w- is not going to be really any different from a Baptist church, or, or or some that look a lot like an Episcopal church in the way they do things. There's that much difference, but the one thing that you're going to find across all disciples churches, and it's the way that we express our unity, is we express our unity in the table, in Christ's table, uh, and so we celebrate the communion, or we call it communion, but some traditions call it the Eucharist. Um, we, we celebrate that that symbolic meal every single Sunday. And what's important is that we have an open table. And so um, 
we say that everyone is invited to that table uh, regardless of anything. No one's barred from that table. And the reason we say that, and it's been expressed from the early days, is because we can't invite people to that table because God has extended the invitation to them to come to that table and partake in the symbolic body and the symbolic blood of Jesus Christ and and worship with that, you know. And so, uh, you know, there's been times where we've had sort of uh, disagreements in our church, and of course we all do. Even even in the time Paul was writing, his churches were disagreeing about what to do and what the right thing to do was. Uh, but, but the, you know, when we have our disagreements, we, we go to the table, hmm. you know, and, and, and we take that and we're, and despite the fact that I might have a guy, one guy who's, you know, really, really theologically conservative and another guy who's really, really theologically liberal, you know, and they're both there at that table and they're partaking of Christ's body, drinking of Christ's blood, uh, together because there are things that transcend our differences. Excellent, excellent. So we we find ourselves coming together at Christ, uh, with Christ, mm-hmm. and that's uh, that, that's excellent. Um, so uh, again, I think that's a that's a treasure personally to know that I could visit any of those churches, and I might find different ways of doing things, but still, I'm going to find an openness and a welcomeness. Um, not only probably if people welcome one to the table, they also. <clears throat> are welcoming in their personalities as well. Excuse me. <clears throat> yeah, and the way that that gets expressed most often is you can find this on the Disciples of Christ website. It's called disciples.org. Uh, you just disciples.org. Uh, and uh, you'll see right on, there on that front page, it says that we are a movement for wholeness in a fragmented world. As a part of the one body of Christ, we welcome all to the Lord's table as God has welcomed us. And that's how... Um, uh, that's how we express it. And so uh, we know that the world's very fragmented, especially in, in this day and age. You know, there's a lot of divisiveness uh, in politics and religion and everything. Uh, and uh, I think it's significant that, you know, uh, when Jesus heals people in, in the Bible, uh, one of the ways that the Bible in Greek is, expresses that healing is it will say, uh, Jesus made them whole. Hmm. And, uh, the, and and so if you think about the brokenness in the world as a kind of sickness well, the the solution to that sickness is to come together. Well, and and you know you hit on a key point in God. There's a lot of diversity. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> it takes all of us to represent the wholeness of God. But at the same time, we may be in an era where we've begun to celebrate too much of that isolated diversity instead mm-hmm. of coming together. So excellent, excellent concept. Well, uh, tell us a little bit now. You you've got an idea possibly for a future in in uh, some broadcasts. Uh, from from the um, local churches, from the denomination as well. Tell us what your idea and your dream are for those things. Well, uh, you know, we've realized, uh, because I, I consume a lot of media like anybody else, you know, uh, and I'm also uh, kind of a Bible nerd. Uh, I, I love the Bible and I love studying the Bible. And I also like seeing different perspectives on the Bible. Uh, and, and, and so uh, one of the things that uh, we're very, in the very early stages uh, of doing is we want to put together a podcast that discusses the Bible uh, in, in a little bit greater detail than some of the other uh, radio shows and, and podcasts uh, th- that I've heard uh, because uh, a lot of those, not that they're bad or, uh, or, or, or wrong, but I just don't think we're getting the whole picture a lot of the times. Uh, and I've got some uh, other pastors that I know and biblical scholars that uh, we want to get together 
um, to, to talk about uh, the Bible in, in greater detail in, 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 with the aim of uh, especially helping pastors uh, prepare for their sermons or if you're a Sunday school teacher or a lay pastor or something like that uh, to prepare your Sunday school lessons or to uh, help, uh, help you in your preparation for, for teaching uh, and, and preaching. And this would be where we can, you know, have some different perspectives discussing the scriptures um, and get, you know, see what different scholars have thought about uh, uh, over the years or what different scholars think now. And I've got three main uh, people that will be hosting uh, with me. And uh, we're going to have different perspectives on them because even we're we're all right. disciples of Christ's denomination, but we don't always agree on everything. And so, uh, you know, we have this thing in the disciples that we're, when we uh, disagree, we agree to disagree. Sure, sure. Yeah, so it's going to be interesting. Well, when we come back here in the next segment, we're going to have Jordan Bird uh, still with us, and we're going to uh, let him flesh out that concept a little bit more about what it means uh, to look at the Bible in a little more breadth and depth. And so we'll be back in just a moment. Stay with us. We'll return in a moment with host Steve Russell and Christian Living That Counts. Many Christians worry about how to share their faith. They even feel guilty about not sharing. Hi, this is Steve Russell, host of Christian Living That Counts on toginet.com. Christians sharing their faith feel awkward and bothersome sometimes. But my friend Bobby Bateman has a unique way to break the ice and open the door for a casual conversation. Join us soon for the interview with Bobby about his unique idea or learn more now at his website. It's personaltous.com. Once again, that website is itspersonaltous.com. Is there more living for you to do? Yes. Start living inspired. Be here for Living Inspired with Trisha Goyer. Thursday afternoons at 4, 3 p.m. Central on toginet.com. Trisha will dig deep into topics that matter most to women, inspiring women to make a change in their own lives and to make a difference in the world, and maybe even deep within their own hearts. Trisha is a wife, mom, speaker, family expert, and author of 24 books. For more information on Trisha and Living Inspired, go to her website, trishagoyer.com. That's T-R-I-C-I-A-G-O-Y-E-R.com. Trisha's vision is to be the voice of hope and possibility for women of all ages. Her intention is to serve ordinary women by encouraging extraordinary things with God's help. Trisha expresses real life, real hope for real women. Is there more living for you to do? Yes. Start living inspired. Living Inspired with Trisha Goyer. Thursday afternoons at 4, 3 p.m. Central on toginet.com. Returning with more of Christian Living That Counts, your host, Steve Russell. Welcome back to Christian Living That Counts. This is Steve Russell, your host. I'm in the studio today with Jordan Bird, pastor at First Christian Church of Palestine, Texas. Uh, he has told us a little bit about the openness of the denomination in our first segment, and we had moved into a vision that he has and several other of the leaders in his denomination about a Bible study in greater depth and breadth, uh, a little bit more scholarly maybe to assist uh, those who teach and preach and maybe don't have access to uh, professional education or seminaries, and so uh, we're we're talking about that right now. And Jordan, just kind of pick up where you left off there and talk a little bit how this will be helpful to those folks. Uh, well, uh, w- one thing that I want to say is that there is a thread in Christianity of a kind of resistance to education. 
um, to or to at least a certain kind of academic education. Um, b- because, you know, over the years we say, well, you know, I just want to read the Bible and let the Bible, you know, speak for itself, you know. And so I don't want these, you know, scholars from outside kind of picking apart the Bible uh, in, in a way that it doesn't need to be because God will speak to me and tell me what I, you know, need to know. It's kind of like uh, I know somebody says, well, God told me to do so-and-so. Well, wh- what do you do to trump that? Yeah. Uh, you know, you kind of, you kind of, it doesn't matter what the Bible says or anything else. You just lost because they feel like they've got an authority that is immune from that type of, of, of treatment and discussion. So go ahead. Good, good right. idea. Right. Um, and, and, and I understand that, that resistance, you know, because there are some, I, I try to read lots of different sources when I'm studying the Bibles for my sermon, you know, because I want to know what different people have said. I realize my perspective is very limited. Um, and, and sometimes I, agree, I I read things that I totally agree with, you know, and I'm like, wow, that's right on. I totally get that. And other things I just read and I'm like, you know, this is totally out there. Um, I, I really don't like what this is saying. But, you know, at least I've, you know, seen both. And I and I understand that kind of resistance. I think there can be kind of uh, in, in some kinds of scholarship, there can be kind of this reductionistic, if, if you understand that term, you know, a picking apart. Mm. Uh, and, and, you know, and there's a way that even we as human beings are more than the sum of our parts. And so sometimes if you pick everything apart, you sort of kill it, you know, like dissecting an animal. And I think some people feel that that's what happens with scripture when scholars get a hold of it, right? Um and, and while I understand uh, that resistance, I also believe that, that the truth is ultimately found in community, in, in discussion. Mm. Because, you know, uh, we do – we're very individualistic, you know, in our society. And we want, you know, my perspective and God speaks to me. And I do believe that God speaks to each one of us individually. But we also have to recognize that we as individuals don't have all the truth. You know, we have a very limited uh, perspective you know, there's that old story about uh, the, the Indian gurus who are all blind and they're touching an elephant, mm-hmm. you know, and one's touching the elephant's trunk and he says, oh, it's kind of soft and squishy uh, and, it, and it moves. And another guy uh, is, is another one of them, even, you know, he's blind and he's touching the tusk and he says, oh, it's smooth and, and cold and hard. Like a spear. Like a spear, yeah. And then the other one's touching his leg and he goes, it's, I think it's a tree, yeah. you know. Uh, and so they all have a kind of a different perspective, even though they're, 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 t- they're touching on the whole. And so I think ultimately we, we come to the truth when we discuss it uh, in community. And in, in community uh, also includes the scholarship of the church. Well, and, and let me say this, too, about that. That poem brings up an excellent point in, in the fact that our, our diversity is, is a gift to that community. But the poem kind of ends by saying all of them were partly right and all were in the wrong. Mm-hmm. And community acts not only as a receptacle for the diversity, but also to as a correctiveness uh, to the fact that we don't suffer in our wrongness. We have a chance to uh, listen to others uh, in the community and discuss, and and therefore we we benefit from everyone's uh, light, uh, so to speak. And so I, I think it's not only uh, the warm fuzziness of community, but also the corrective aspect that uh, brings us all back into into a certain amount of line and order, so that we we're not stuck in our in our error. Um, so it serves that sort of dual purpose in that right. Absolutely. You know, in Proverbs, it's, you know, it says, as iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another. Uh, and, and, and when we are engaging in community like that in discussions, uh, it, it can sort of shave off our rough edges 
uh, and it sort of shaves off our extreme edges. Like if we, you know, and, uh, you know, even back in Deuteronomy, God says, stick to these teachings and stray neither to the right nor to the left. And then Jesus reiterates that by saying, you know, uh, the path to destruction is wide, but the gate to but the gate to the kingdom is narrow, mm-hmm. you know, and so there's this kind of uh, we need to sort of mediate each other and sort of check each other uh, in, in our conversations. And, and that's that honing that happens. And that honing can keep us sort of, you know, on that narrow path, because a lot of the ideas that we discuss in Scripture, you know, let's be honest, they're complicated. Sure. You know, my sermon this Sunday actually at church is called Christianity is not user friendly, mm-hmm. you know, and uh, it's really not. Uh, the Bible's a tough book. It's an adult book. It's very complicated, very nuanced. We're removed from its context by at least 2,000 years right. most of the time. And there's a lot of things that go into understanding the text. Uh, and while I do believe that you can open it up and you can read it and the Holy Spirit can speak to you, uh, I don't think that's the only way to read the Bible, though. Right. Right. Uh, and I think we need to sort of you know read it in community. And I think the, the my best understanding of what it means to read scripture actually comes from a story in Genesis, mm. uh, because you, you know Jacob, uh, Jacob and Esau. You know Jacob have I loved, and Esau have I hated. God says, and Jacob's name in Hebrew it means supplanter, Jacob, uh, and he is. Uh, so it's kind of like he's he trips people up. He's a thief. He's a trickster. And, you know, in, in lots of ancient cultures, they have stories about these trickster characters. You know, like Native Americans, trickster was the coyote. And Jacob is kind of like, if you really think about it, you really look, he's kind of the coyote of the Bible. Uh, he's trying to get his own way, and he, he tricks his, uh, his brother out of his birthright, you know, and tricks his father by dressing up, uh, you know, dressing up in, like his hairy brother. And he gets the birthright. And ba- so basically he, he receives the blessing uh, and, and gets the inheritance that was due to his older brother, right? And so, of course, his brother's really mad at him and wants to kill him, right? You know, sure. who, who wouldn't, right? Yeah. <laughs> and so, uh, so Jacob, of course, runs away because his brother's bigger and stronger and a good hunter, and Jacob's really not. So he runs away, and uh, I won't go into the whole story, but you know, he makes a living for himself and get you know grows this family, and he gets tricked himself actually by his. Uh, uh, what goes around comes law, around yeah. by his father-in-law Laban, uh, and and there's this uh, there's this great scene uh, in 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 the Bible where uh, he hears that Jacob hears that Esau's coming back, and they're finally going to meet, and so the sins of Jacob's past are t- catching up with him. He's lived another life for all this time, but now what goes around comes around, and he's going to have to answer for his deception. Uh, He's been running from it this whole time. So what does Jacob do? Well, he's kind of a coward. So he sits on the shores of the Jabbok River, which really isn't a river, it's a wadi. So a wadi is an empty riverbed. And I've been there. On Arroyo, we would call it here in the Yeah, in Arroyo, yeah. (laughs) And and so really, it's just a dry riverbed. And it's only a river when it rains. Uh, And it's a really rocky place. I've been there uh, when we went to Israel. And I can just imagine how rocky and uncomfortable that place would be. But what he did is he sent all his wealth ahead of him. Uh, and his wife and children, his wives and his children and everything, his whole family ahead of him. And what he was thinking is, well, he can just take whatever – Esau can just take whatever he wants, you know, and he'll, and he'll get it. And maybe when he gets – by the time he gets to me, you know, he won't be so mad at me, um, which that's his trickster, you know, way sure. of thinking. Uh, and <laughs> and uh, so, so he, he did all that. 
And so he's sitting on the shores of the Jabbok of this dry riverbed alone on all these uncomfortable rocks, you know. And I can only imagine like the the how torn he was inside. You know, am I doing the right thing? Is this what I should be doing? And in the midst of that turmoil of inner conflict that he was experiencing, who but God, it says God, it says a man, but then he interprets it later that that was God, comes and just starts a fight with him. And they start fighting. And, you know, you can imagine what it was like to, to in, in, at least in the context of the story, to roll around on the rocky shores of the Jabbok River, you know, getting scraped up. And it said they wrestled all night long. But when the sun starts to come up, uh, God says, okay, man, you got to let me go. I got to go now. I'm done with this. And, and Jacob says, I'm not letting you go till you give me your blessing. And God says, let me go. I'm, I'm done with this. Jacob says, I'm not letting you go till I give you my blessing. And so God sort of like dislocates his hip, you know, maybe gets a hip flexor. Who knows how, how they do that. But, <laughs> but Jacob gets hurt in a way that makes him limp for the rest of his life. So he's kind of scarred from this struggle. But at the end, um, God's blessing to him, to Jacob, is changing his name. So he changes the name of Jacob from Jacob to Israel, which is the name that the nation takes. But what Israel means is one who struggles with God. And uh, what that means and why the nation took that name is because it means to be a person of faith is to be a person who struggles with God, who you know, we're dealing with these concepts that are really hard to understand, um, and it's not user-friendly. Uh, and God often asks a lot of us and asks for great sacrifices, and that's a really difficult thing to deal with and a very difficult thing to get our heads around. Um, and, 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 and the scripture is, is representative of that because we're seeing these people's really struggles with God that they've recorded and we're struggling with God in the same way to understand them. And so really, uh, when we interpret Scripture, we're sort of struggling with the text, mm-hmm. is what I think about it, and sort of wrestling with God to try to get that uh, understanding of the text. Uh, and, and I think that that, uh, that that textual understanding only comes out of that struggle. Right. Well, I think your recounting of that scene has been a, a great blessing just to hear it, and it's a, a modern way of saying it. Uh, And when we come back here in the next segment, we're going to talk about how using a podcast to to folks and this type of dialogue would really be helpful. So stay with us, and we'll be back in just a moment with Jordan Burt. We'll return in a moment with host Steve Russell and Christian Living That Counts. I want to tell you about the special underwriting sponsor of Christian Living That Counts. This is show host Steve Russell to introduce you to the Prefort family of Mount Pleasant, Texas. Prefort Manufacturing was founded by the late Marvin Prefort, a born inventor who moved his growing business to the heart of cattle country in northeast Texas in 1962. Since then, Prefort Manufacturing has become the leader in the highest quality of farm, ranch, and rodeo equipment, employing over 800 people and shipping their products worldwide. Bill Prefort, Marvin's son, assumed the leadership of the company in 1988 after the unexpected passing of his father, Marvin. Today, under their dad's watchful eye, the third generation of Bill's sons, Eddie, Nate, and Travis are carrying on the family tradition and business, including the Christian faith that they quickly credit with much of their success and growth. I'm proud to call the Prefort's friends and appreciate their making the internet radio broadcast of Christian Living That Counts possible. 
Learn more about this dedicated Christian family and their outstanding business at prefert.com. That's P-R-I-E-F-E-R-T dot com. Homeschooling? Have questions? Get your pen and paper ready. It's the sociable homeschooler, Vivian McNinney. Fridays at 5, 4 central on toginet.com. After a handsome blue-eyed Texan fell in love with Vivian at the Victoria Station in London, she found herself at DFW Airport with a tiny suitcase and a snazzy little duffel bag. Well, 25 years later, she is now happily married to that blue-eyed cowboy. They have four grown children, ages 24 to 18, who became willing guinea pigs when she unwittingly stumbled upon the world of homeschooling. Wildflower Academy flourished for 15 years. They survived and thrived, and you can too. Vivian will be covering a wide range of issues that face homeschoolers. What do you do with kids in the summer? How to set up your one-room schoolhouse? How obedience is paramount? And what to do with those snakes? Plus, you'll be sharing ideas and insights that she gleaned from other homeschoolers. So join us for an engaging hour with a sociable homeschooler. Vivian McNinney, Friday afternoons at 5, 4 Central on toginet.com. Returning with more of Christian Living That Counts, your host, Steve Russell. We're back, Christian Living That Counts, your host, Steve Russell, in the studio today with Jordan Bird, pastor of First Christian Church of Palestine, Texas. And the first uh, couple of segments, we were talking about uh, the wholeness of the Christian uh, disciples denomination and their call to unity and uh, the comfort level anyone could expect from visiting one of their congregations and then we began to talk about the bible which is treasured by that denomination of people uh, and we're talking about how understanding the bible in its depth and breadth is a challenge and a struggle uh, jordan had related the scene uh, of uh, Israel struggling with God, uh, enduring the conflict and then the name change, uh, and the fact that we all struggle with God and we struggle with the scriptures um, and how to live according to those things. I, I think every one of us do. Uh, it's awfully simplistic to believe that we would enter into life and our own behaviors uh, and think life is easy, even, even if the Bible, certain parts of it are, but even if the Bible were entirely easy, life makes us interpret it uh, in the midst of joy, in the midst of adversity, in the midst of loss, uh, in the midst of celebration. So life is going to demand that we look at the Bible in a in a broad and deep way. So what George is going to come back and we're going to talk a little bit how podcasting um, these conversations about Scripture might be very helpful. So Jordan, kind of share that vision with us. Well, uh, my hope would be to uh, – I've got two other guys that, that are going to be included uh, in this project. And right now our working title is Getting Scripture Together. Uh, and that ha- has you know uh, multiple meanings because uh, one of it is like we get Scripture together in conversation. But also you know, if you're a pastor or a Sunday school teacher or, you, or uh, you know, you're just teaching a Bible study out of your home – uh, you got to get your scripture together. Uh, you you got to to know it uh, and and to pull these sort of meanings together and to connect these things and make a lesson. You know, uh, so our aim is people like that. You know, if you are uh, if you're a pastor somewhere and you know you've got to study your scripture and say I know a lot of our pastors are bivocational. You know, they don't get paid to do what they do at the church, maybe, or they get paid very little, so they're working another job. And when do you have time when you're working full time to study your scripture really well and to get it down? Uh, sometimes it's a lot more helpful to me to be able to listen to something 
while I'm doing something else. So I can be cleaning the kitchen and I can listen to a podcast or, or, or doing some work around the house uh, and listening to a podcast. Uh, and then I can, I can learn and, and, and listen that way. Um, all, and uh, it's just a way for people to listen and to engage in that conversation. Uh, while they while they're maybe doing something else, or you may just be a Christian like me. You may be a Bible nerd who's uh, interested in in just personal edification, you know, strengthening your own walk with God, or or, or you want to live your life uh, in a Christ like way. You know, that's what your podcast is about. And we mm-hmm. we all seek if we're Christians. You know, Christianity is not about dying; it's about living. Right. And uh, and so we want to live and. Uh, one of the ways that we most strongly live in the uh, most strongly live the Christ-like life is to uh, filter our lives through the scriptures. Mm. Um, so, like I just told in the earlier segment, I told you a story about Jacob from the Bible, and I filter so much of my own experience through that story. Uh, and that's one of the ways I see Christian living most strongly is t- for me to call myself a Christian means I locate myself within that story. Hmm. And I use and I connect with those stories on a daily basis. And so if you're just a person that's interested in Scripture and you want to know how it better applies to your life, or, uh, and, and one of the ways to know how Scripture applies to your life is know how it was originally understood when it was written down in its original context, how, it originally, how the original hearers heard it, and then how that applies to you. What what was the, what were the people in the early church struggling with, and what are we struggling with now? And how is that similar? Um, what was Paul talking about when he said these things? What were they dealing with in the church in Ephesus or in the church in Philippi, where he wrote what I quoted Philippians earlier? Um, well, a minute ago you said we are at least two thousand years removed, mm-hmm. but so how do we tell a modern world that it's relevant? What are you? That's part of what you'll do. That's part of what we'll do. Yeah. Um, because it, it, in many ways, we can get our interpretations wrong. I think when we think that it's um, all for just us, all for us, yeah. yeah. Um, and and it is written for us as people of faith. But but to understand it responsibly, I think we first have to look at that context and say what was Paul originally saying, and then we can apply it to us. Because you know, people are people. People were people 2,000 years ago. People were people 4,000 years ago. Right, yeah, and princi- principles don't necessarily change as much. People, the, the names change, the characters change, uh, um, things like that uh, obviously change over time. But probably not people so much in the way we deal with struggles and, and, and joys and so forth. I, I was reminded as you were talking about the uh, other two gentlemen who may join you, uh, I, I recall that the late Dallas Willard uh, wrote a book called Restoration of the Heart. And at one point in time in some of the follow-up um, applications and uh, administrations of that book, that uh, Dallas Willard himself, uh, John Ortberg, and I believe uh, Larry Crabb uh, shot videos and audios together just opening up that book that uh, Dr. Willard had wrote and had written and then just discussed it, just, just aired it out among the three of them. So I, I think uh, I haven't brought up that term in a while, but airing something out, yeah. um, that may be what you, the three of you do in conversation is just literally uh, talk through those things. 
And as you mentioned earlier, different perspectives will arrive or different understandings, um, but still great value because uh, it, it it takes those differences to minister to different people with different needs. And so, uh, but that's kind of what I what I hear when I hear you talk about that. Yeah, I have a guy, uh, one one of my good friends that I uh, graduated from seminary with. Uh, his name is Evan Dolieve. And he just recently got called to the First Christian Church in Longview, and he's the associate pastor there. Uh, and and he has a he has a slightly different perspective than I do, uh, which is really interesting. And we always learn from each other when we talk. And then another guy who's a who's a wonderful wonderful Christian man and a, and a good friend of mine. His name is George Terrell, and he's not a pastor. He's not ordained. He's he's a lay person, but he has a degree a master's degree in biblical studies. And so. He knows more about the Bible than most pastors that I know. He's so smart. And he all like I can talk to George Terrell just on the phone myself for for hours about a scripture. You know, and, and so uh those two uh me and those two will be our, our regular kind of panel as we discuss the because I wanna I wanna share those conversations that we have with others. Because I think I benefit so much from those and I grow, you know, and I offer my perspective and then we sort of as iron sharpens iron, mm-hmm. you know, we gain a better understanding or, or I might be leaning one one interpretation, leaning a little bit too far one way and they pull me back the other way. Or sometimes uh, through our conversations, I just find out things that like I didn't even think about. I didn't even think about the scripture could mean that, or there was some little historical contextual bit that I didn't know that completely changed the way that I understood that scripture and really made it hit home for me um, in a way that it hadn't before. Um, and, and so that would be the primary uh the, the, the primary segment of our podcast. Uh, and then we're hoping to get some uh, experts from our seminary on board. So we'd have an interview segment where we interviewed, you know, uh, actual biblical PhD scholars that have been studying this stuff uh, and, uh, and get their perspective on it too. So we're going to have, a, you know, a lot of different perspectives and, and a lot of different uh, uh, discussions. And, and we'll have, uh, we'll probably, once we get some listenership, you know, mm-hmm. when people start listening, if pe- if people do and they're they're interested in it, we'll probably have them write in some questions, and we'll have like a, a question and answer segment where we sort of engage with some of their questions uh, that they have. Uh, and you know, that story that I told you earlier, and I think this is why biblical studies are so important uh, and getting deep, deep, deep into the text are so important. That story I told you earlier about Jacob wrestling with God on the Jabbok. It's a th- that wrestling portion is only a paragraph long. The whole story is much longer that leads up to that. But for so long in my life, I did not understand that scripture. I had no idea what it meant. It was weird. Okay, so God comes and like wrestles with – what does that mean? I have no idea what that means. Uh, but through conversations with people and through engaging with the scholarship of the church, I eventually found out what that scripture means in its context. And, and that brought it alive for me because you know the scripture is a living word. It's not a dead thing. It's not an old document from 2,000 years ago that just sits there. We, it engages with our lives. And then when I realized that that story is talking about how we struggle with God, like Jacob does, it completely changed my perspective on biblical studies, on my whole faith. And I realized, you know, it's okay to struggle. It's okay to struggle with your faith because that's what it means to be a faithful person. Because, you know, all, faith holds all these things in tension, you know, right. like we, we believe that God is a good and just and merciful God, but we live in a world that's not good and not just and sometimes so very unmerciful. And then, you know, Jesus said things like, um, my burden is light. 
And some days as a pastor, I'm like, really, Jesus? Yeah. Did you did you really mean that? Because this is hard. Like I'm struggling here, yeah. you know. Uh, but but I believe that His words are true. So how did he mean that? You know, and we hold those things in tension, and so we struggle with those things. And, you know, I tell people every day as a pastor, one of the greatest things that I struggle with, I tell people, um, you know, God is good, and God's going to take care of you. But then their mother dies, or their aunt dies, or somebody gets sick, and they look at me as the representative of, of God, right. the merciful you one. spoke for it. I spoke for them, you know, and, 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 and I'm there, and I'm wondering – well, God, you know, you're supposed to be taking care of these people. What's going on? And when we read the Bible and we really read it and we look back, we realize that, that those questions, where are you, God? What's going on here, God? What are you doing? What's your plan? Because I don't necessarily see it. That's the discussion that's been going on in the entire Bible. Right. And we're exactly. just a, a continuation of that. Good. All right. Thank you so much. That is an exciting thing to look forward to. Uh, we're going to be back in the last segment and finish up with Reverend Jordan Bird of Palestine, Texas. And uh, back in a moment. Stay with us. We'll return in a moment with host Steve Russell and Christian Living That Counts. Hey, friends, this is Steve Russell, host of Christian Living That Counts. I want to introduce you to my friend David Taylor. He's celebrating his 35th anniversary as a financial advisor. David is a CPA and has recently written a book to answer the need of so many ladies who came to his office after the passing of their husbands. Often they knew nothing of their financial details or status. David's book is called The Comprehensive Widow's Survival Guide. Be listening for my interview with David soon and learn how you can get your copy of The Comprehensive Widow's Survival Guide. I am not the woman I used to be. I'm free with Minister Diane Jones. Monday nights at 10, 9 central on Toginet. This is your chance, ladies, to hear stories of hope and healing from someone who's been there. Someone who has fought back from the horrors of incest. Minister Diane's innocence was stolen from her in the land of alcoholism and mental illness, which led to her being emotionally, physically, and sexually abused by her parents. Yet in spite of this trauma, she has gone on to become a successful wife, mother, registered nurse, and minister of the gospel of Jesus Christ. I'm not the woman I used to be. I'm Free is a straight-up show to enlighten you and to lighten your load. Do not let the weight of this world or the things that have happened to you control your life. For more on the show and Diane and her book, The Story of Me, email her directly from her show page here on Toginet. Then, join us for I'm Not the Woman I Used to Be, I'm Free, with Minister Diane Jones, Monday nights at 10, 9 central on toginet.com. Returning with more of Christian Living That Counts, your host, Steve Russell. We're back in our final segment of Christian Living That Counts. I'm with Reverend Jordan Bird, pastor of First Christian Church in Palestine, Texas. We're discussing a vision of some additional podcasts that might uh, come about to help folks who are Bible teachers, whether they be ministers or Sunday school teachers or just leaders of home study groups. And we're talking about that thing. One one thing, when I bring Jordan back on, uh, he's been referring to uh, the seminary a couple of times has come up, and I want him to clarify that and tell us exactly who that is. And so, Jordan, I think I know, but tell everybody when, you're, when you might tap these scholars what seminary you have in mind. Uh, well, in in the Disciples of Christ, uh, in the Christian Church Disciples of Christ, uh, we have several seminaries that are associated with us. Uh, one of them, 
one of the main uh, places that we hope to be pulling from is Bright Divinity School, uh, and that's located on the campus of TCU of Texas Christian University. Uh, and they've got they're doing some amazing things in in, in biblical scholarship and in ministry, and they have uh, a, uh, an incredible faculty. There, um, some great biblical scholars, some great teachers, and some amazing theologians um, of all different ages and perspectives. Uh, and I'm just very impressed with their faculty and the and the things that they are doing there. Uh, and before so, before you go into the other seminaries, I wanted you to plug that one, of course, since my son is on staff there. And, yeah. uh, you had to say a couple of good things <laughs> there. Right. That, that's great. Um, but uh, uh, what other seminaries are affiliated? Well, uh, the seminary that I went to uh, is Lexington Theological Seminary out of Lexington, Kentucky, and they have since, since I graduated, they've moved into an online uh, an online course. You did uh, your undergraduate at TCU, I believe. I did my undergraduate at TCU, and but but uh, I, I majored in world religion, uh, so it wasn't specifically Christianity. I studied religion uh, from a social scientific perspective because uh, they have a great religion department there at, at TCU. Uh, which is – it used to be in the same building as the Bright Divinity School building. So, you know, there was some dialogue and some back and forth there. Uh, so I had a really good experience there uh, because a seminary degree, for those of you who don't know, is a master's degree. Uh, in most cases, it's a master's of divinity. And sometimes they offer, you know, like a master's in biblical studies. Or, or, or there's another time – there's some other places where they offer a master's of arts mm-hmm. uh, in, in religion. Uh, but mine is a master's of divinity, which – you know, really, if you really think about it, uh, it's, it's kind of like a general studies of in sure. ministry. You get, you get a little bit of everything. I've uh, got one too. I yeah. know exactly what you're talking about. <laughs> three years, three years worth of a master's degree, and sometimes you come out thinking, "Man, if I could have done an internship, I could have been a doctor by now." Yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah, but uh, yeah, it, it is, and the and the pastoral uh, work is very generalized. Uh, you never know whether you're going to be a counselor or chaplain or uh, officiating a wedding. Uh, baptizing, it's, it's, it's uh, all kinds of things, plus, of course, being expected to be God's spokesman and a biblical scholar on the side, so, yeah. you know, and, and live an impeccable life. So I, I understand that generality. Any other seminaries you'd mention? That you might well, I'm hoping to reach out uh, eventually to Phillips Theological Seminary, which is another one of our seminaries in Oklahoma, and they're doing some great things over there, too, and they've got some really great uh, biblical scholars. In fact, my Old Testament professor is now over there at Phillips. She was at uh, LTS, but uh, Dr. Lisa Davidson, and she's got some good things to say, too, about that. She has some really interesting uh, perspectives, especially on the Old Testament. Or she Really, I shouldn't call it the Old Testament. She didn't want us to call us the Old Testament. She wanted to ca- us to call it the, the First Testament. The first Testament. Because the Old Testament implies, you know, it's outdated or something like that. And First, it, you know, it just it, – it, Establishes primacy, I guess. I'm not sure how many points it cost you in your grade when you re- misreferred to it, but a lot, but, believe but, me. <laughs> <laughs> I want to. I want to go back to something that you you touched on, and I think it's important to every Christian uh, to understand this. Uh, you you touched briefly on a scholarly look at the Bible, and uh, it is a struggle. It's it's a challenge to do that. It doesn't come easily. Uh, but at the same time, I think there are some people out there who might wonder or feel like uh, question whether the Bible could could withstand scholarly challenge. Um, I, I, I respect your personal scholarship a lot, and 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 I think you you could address that. How 
how can you, you tell people in your own experience how you've seen a scholarly examination of the Bible increase your faith, not cause you to be um, um, to lose faith or, or to doubt, but rather to increase your faith? And I know the church for, for centuries um, in, its, uh, uh, in its infancy, um, especially uh, in the Dark Ages, uh, was very reluctant. They, they didn't know it want any form of examination. Well, we, we're certainly not in the dark ages. It may be uh, a different kind, but we're certainly not in those. But today, examination of everything is important. So how, how can you tell people and reassure them that, that um, the, the Bible can withstand scholarly examination and will build your faith? Well, um, I have to be honest with you, Steve. When I when I first began this this journey in, into scholarship, you know, I've been engaged in the scholarship of the church for you know probably twelve to fifteen years now. And uh, when I first engaged on it, it was hard because I had to learn to think about things a little bit differently, and I had to step out of my box. And it really felt like struggling with God. It felt like God was coming up to me and, and, and dragging me around those rocky shores of the Jabbok, you know. Uh, because let's face it, the, the, the world is a harsh place, and we are made of soft flesh, you know. And so we skin our knees on, on, on reality all the time, uh, and, and it's not easy. Um, but but one of the things uh, that happened to me, I'll, I'll, I'll share with you an experience. Um, I had these uh, two friends that I that I was growing up with, and we were hanging out. But they happened to be atheists. They were good people, you know, moral people. But they just didn't believe in God, you know. And so we had common hobbies, and so we would go uh, and uh, and do our hobby, and you know, hang out and talk, and we'd get in these, of course, theological conversations, you sure. know, and. Uh, it was hard sometimes because they came up with questions that were very hard for me to answer. And I would, enge- I would try to engage with them in a way that I could answer their questions. And that shook my faith a little bit. You know, it, it did. It, it shook my faith. And I, I remember one time, uh, I, it was a winter day. There, we don't have very many of those in Texas, you know, like a cold winter day. And, my, and, and, and we had made a fire in the, in, in the fireplace. And I was sitting in, in a chair just staring at the fire, pondering these questions. Uh, and I imagine... <laughs> Moses staring at the burning bush, you know, just burning. Going, What's going on there? And I was just staring at the fire, kind of talking to God, you know. And I said, God, are you really out there? Because I am struggling right now, understanding how you're here, how you're present. <laughs> and and uh, I, I heard the voice of God, you know, that voice of God in the back of your head. I don't know how many of you people, if you hear that or if I'm just crazy, I don't know. But uh, But I heard that voice of God in the back of my head say, well, you're talking to me, aren't you? And I said, well, you know, I guess you're right. And God said, ask your questions. Ask whatever you want. Because I am the truth. And if you seek, you shall find. Hmm. Ask any question you want because I am the truth and I will be at the end. Because I am the answer. And after that, you know, I was like, okay, well, we'll ask our questions. But I I honestly believe that God is the truth and that, that we're going to find the truthful answer when we seek. God said, seek and you shall find. Knock and the door shall be opened to you. And you know that that when Jesus talks about that in the Sermon on the Mount, seek and you shall find, uh, he's referring back to, to Judaism's rich wisdom tradition that, you know, we should seek after wisdom like, like it's the most important thing, that that's the greatest treasure. How much of Proverbs is dedicated to talking about wisdom and how important that is? 
And, and gaining that biblical wisdom can be a struggle, and we have to study, and we have to engage with the scholarship of the church, and we might we might uh, be threatened by that sometimes when people sort of it seems like people are picking apart the Bible, but you know what? If if we try to hide in our little cubby holes and stick our heads in the sand like an ostrich, we're never going to be able to engage the world with our faith and engage in in Christian living. In, in a real and authentic way. You know, Jesus said, build your house upon the rock. Well, you got to dig through the sand sometimes uh, to get to the rock. And if you're not willing to dig through the sand, then your house is always going to be falling down until, you, until you're willing to get on the bedrock and, and, and build on the rock. Right. So you, you, you're talking about uh, or advocating against, I should say, just living an unchallenged life. The fact is, it, 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 that's what strengthens us, uh, are, are those challenges, whether they be biblical questions, theological questions. Um, I want to go, I want to just uh, just very brief answer to this. We, we're about to close, but um, you, you talked about people who questioned you and, and, and made you doubt. Has anything you've ever heard uh, in scholarly pursuit of the truth of the Bible, has anything ever shaken your faith that it didn't restore again? For just you, you, you think of an anecdote. You told one about people, but just something you learned about the Bible. And, you, and you've been to the Holy Land. You've been, you've been to Israel. So is there something there that you saw and, and, and you thought, oh, that's, uh, that's difficult to accept? Then you go, oh, that's what that's about. Um, Something like that in a biblical study? Well, there, I, th- I think there are some some biblical scholarship that can really shake your faith, and those are those biblical scholars that that I say that tend to be a little overly reductionistic. Mm. And a lot of that old biblical scholarship, you know, it's it's really from like the 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 late eighteen hundreds and the and like even into the nineteen fifties could be really reductionistic because a lot of it came out of Germany, yeah, and uh, they were struggling with their faith and mm. trying to nobody wanted to be faithful anymore, you know, right. because they were just sick of all the fighting and all the problems that it caused, and so they were trying to the, those theologians in their context were trying to figure out a way to come back to faith that would be helpful. And sometimes those are a little overly reductionistic to me, and that sort of shakes me in a way. Yeah. Uh, uh, but 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 I've come back to that, and and uh, I've always get restored in one way or the other. But better scholarship available than that. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Well, listen, we have enjoyed you being in the studio today. We want to invite you back. We want to wish you the best with these podcasts that will be ministering to not only those in your denomination, but a greater audience, we believe, um, when you when you get to the place of doing those. So uh, we're just uh, excited for you, and we'll pray for you, and uh, maybe have you back after things are a little further along. Thanks, everyone, for joining us today for Christian Living That Counts. This is Steve Russell, your host. We'll see you again next week. Steve Russell returns next week at the same time discussing how renewed lives can make a difference in a broken world. Join us again for Christian Living That Counts.